Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Simulated Universe. I'm your host, Riz Verk. I want to remind you this week that my new book, The Simulated Multiverse, just came out and uh, you know, is available online and at booksellers everywhere. This season, we've been focused on the metaverse, uh, how it's emerging, why it's emerging, where it's going. Uh, and one of the topics within uh, that, uh, that whole uh, verse, I guess, is NFTs that you've probably heard of. So today we've brought on an expert to talk to us about NFTs. My guest today is Avery Akinini. She's currently president of, Gain of Vayner NFT uh, and was previously at Google. And uh, welcome to the show, Avery. Thanks for having me. It's uh, wonderful to be here. And thanks to your listeners for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. So perhaps you can start off by just telling a little bit about, you know, how did you end up, you know, running this NFT related group? What's the mission? Uh, you know, what's your journey from Google to here? Yeah. So I spent many years at Google. We were just talking about Mountain View, where I know you've spent a lot of time as well. Um, so I started my career there. And when I first joined Google, um, which is in 2012, where search marketing was still a relatively new thing, some people understood it and they were um, beginning to see the utility, but you know, that was almost 10 years ago and a lot's changed since then. It's become way more sort of commonplace and, and used by people so much more um, all around the world. But I was very fascinated by uh, just the power of search because I thought it was an incredible method um, to connect people with what they were looking for and a new way for consumers to engage also with brands um, through, through their ad, like search ads platform. So I loved that. And that was really exciting. And then I moved to a different part of Google, um, which was uh, the double click side it was an acquisition Google had made it was all about evangelizing and automating um, really complicated media buys that enterprise marketers did. That was also really fun and, and a great learning adventure. Uh, and then after that, I wanted to move to social which was evangelizing the way um, people communicated really, right? Um, through chat, through liking and commenting. Those are all things that um, have really come into our consciousness over the past decade or so, um, not so much before that. Um, so I thought like, wow, communication is being changed dramatically. Um, I want to be part of this. So I joined the best social shop I could think of, which was VaynerMedia. Um, so I could learn a lot about social media and, and about the right way um, to go about building communities on social. And then, um, you know, I moved to Asia uh, with my husband. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to talk to Gary uh, about, you know, what I wanted to be doing next. And I mentioned I wanted to move to Asia. And he was like, you should just go start Vayner in Asia. And yeah, that's what I did. So I started it in Singapore. And then we opened up offices in Bangkok, Sydney, Tokyo, uh, Hong Kong. And that was incredibly fun and rewarding. And after two years, I felt like I, uh, you know, built up a team that was really strong and ready to rock. So moved back to the States to launch our latest VaynerX venture, which is called Vayner NFT. And our mission is really to evangelize NFTs and bring them to the world um, and to empower creators um, and, you know, whether they be brands, celebrities, athletes, artists, musicians, um, to really harness the power of NFTs to engage with their communities in a new way. So I know that's a mouthful, but it's a very fun and exciting job for us. And uh, we're very honored to be working with some incredible partners to bring this to life. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're, you know, uh, you've got a bunch of different players and actors in this ecosystem. And, you know, before we jump too much into NFTs, of course, you know, our listeners will have heard of the term and will have, you know, know that everyone from Katy Perry to different artists and, uh, you know, actors are all releasing NFTs. 
you know, I just bought one from uh, Mina Masood, who uh, was the actor that played Aladdin, you know, on, on nice. the, the Theta <laughs> the blockchain. Um, and, and so, but for, you know, I'd like to ask, start off with a couple of definitional questions. So what are NFTs from your perspective? And then, you know, what is the metaverse from your perspective? And, you know, I always get different answers on that second one. So <laughs> but let's start with that. So NFT, non-fungible token, to me, that's really proof of digital ownership. And we've had, you know, digital assets for a long time across, uh, you know, the internet and social media, um, but you haven't been able to prove that you own something. And I think that uh, NFTs signify this movement to provable digital ownership that you can verify in the blockchain, uh, which I think as, you know, as the next decade progresses, we're going to see become really important. And what is the metaverse? Um, that it, it is a little bit more like kind of subjective, I think. Um, you know, in some ways you can think about the metaverse as like virtual land and these virtual places where you can either buy a plot or engage with people, go hang out, whether that's crypto voxels or the central land or the sandbox. Um, there's that sort of part of the metaverse, but I think people also use the metaverse term to refer more broadly to like what's to come in Web3. Uh, yeah, and that, that's, you know, a good distinction that you make there between, uh, you know, these 3D decentralized worlds, but also just virtual worlds in general, and also this idea of decentralized applications in general. So, you know, let's talk about the history of, of NFTs, right? Uh, most people probably have first heard of them with CryptoKitties and, you know, when uh, that became big a few years ago. Uh, but it seemed like they, they kind of faded for a little while. And then last year, you know, everyone was talking about these non-fungible tokens. What do you think it was that drove interest in this current wave? So I think it's... Um it's been building like over time. And I think, uh, you know, the current engaged community of NFT buyers, a lot of them are OGs who've really found a ton of success. They get a dramatic amount of financial success in the recent um, sort of progressions with ETH and NFTs. But I also think we're starting to see a lot of mainstream celebrities uh, drive interest um, and drive more mainstream folks into the space, which has been broadly good. So if you look at, you know, folks like Tom Brady or, um, Mike Tyson, um, even Reese Witherspoon, as they get into this, you know, world of NFTs, they bring their communities along with them. Um, of course, my boss, Gary Vaynerchuk, is the perfect example of that. What he did with the VFriends collection is really bring in a ton of new NFT buyers um, into the space. Yeah, well, that that's true. I mean, we're, we're seeing celebrities in particular talk about NFTs. It's almost this virtuous cycle that's going on, right? The crypto folks bought, would buy NFTs. And then later, you know, as the media folks started talking about it, they would bring in their audience, right? And some of these people like Reese Witherspoon have, you know, millions of followers. Uh, so everyone's probably wondering about NFTs. What is the advantage, you know, really of of buying an NFT versus, you know, just buying some other type of virtual good? I think the advantage of, of uh, buying an NFT versus a normal virtual good is the fact that it's interoperable across like Web3. Um, I think that a lot of, and, and a lot of this is underpinned as well by the fact that some of the top NFT programs are built on Ethereum. Um, so yes, you can buy other digital goods, but you don't necessarily own those. Like for example, you could buy a skin in a game, 
um, or something of that nature that uh, exists within a specific ecosystem, like a, often a gaming ecosystem or specific platform. I think the awesome thing about NFTs is that they exist in your wallet and can travel sort of with you wherever it's not. And then they live in your wallet. They don't live in another platform, which I think is a fundamental difference that makes them more valuable. And, you know, this might change over time and it probably will. But right now, a lot of the high value projects are built on the Ethereum blockchain Um which is, you know, I think quite strong and uh, also not something that's designed to be tremendously scalable. Um, and for that reason, there's a certain rarity um, to, to these uh, NFTs as well. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, digital assets is an area that I'm, I'm quite interested in, you know, having been in the video game industry for a while, and we've explored the idea of digital avatars on this podcast this season already. Uh, but, you know, when I looked at the NFT standards, you know, there really wasn't any standards for the actual assets themselves, right? Uh, I mean, I wrote an article about this a couple of years ago with uh, uh, the ERC-721, where, you know, there was an optional little tag that had a URL on there, and, and that's where the assets would come from. And so it seems like the standard today really is just about which wallet owns which non-fungible token. Is, is that correct to say? Or uh, are you aware of any standards for the actual assets themselves? Because it seems to me eventually to have true interoperability, you know, you'll need standards for that in addition to standards for just who owns it. Yeah. No, I think I think you're you're dead right. Um, and I do think that over time you'll start to see more places that that exist where people can show off their collections. Like um, like let's just take Twitter as an example. So this is public information um, that some of the engineers at Twitter were showing that they're building a feature to actually prove that you own NFTs verifiable on Twitter um, that are set as your profile picture and, and beyond. I think that's a perfect example of like some of that interoperability that I think NFTs will, will begin to deliver. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, cause I, I started thinking about this from the gaming perspective and, you know, within video games and within virtual worlds and going all the way back to Second Life, you know, back in the, 2000s or you know even further back to the 90s where you know in the early days you, you would have mods and you could create things and then people would sell start selling the object to, to other people but you know they were they would only work within that game so you know are we headed for a world where i would be able to buy like a skin that's based on an nft in one place and then turn around and use it somewhere else or is that still going to be pretty you know specific to the virtual world or game that i'm in Right now it is specific to the virtual world or game that you're in, but I think we, in the future, will see some uh, ways to bring those across universes. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. All right, well, what about brands? I mean, how, how, you know, this is probably an area that you're very familiar with. Um, you know, how far along are they in their thinking about NFTs? Is it like a little innovation group somewhere in these big brand companies that are saying, yeah, check out this thing and, and, and let's do a little pilot project or are the marketing departments actually thinking about how NFTs might actually fit into their overall marketing strategy? I think it's a huge spectrum of what brands are thinking. Um, a lot are going after these sort of short term, what can we do in the immediate right now phase? Um, and I think the really smart brands though are thinking bigger, much bigger around how can they launch an NFT program that's designed not just for success tomorrow, but for success 
um, in the coming years and decades. And uh, I think those who are looking at doing sort of one-time drops are inherently like a little bit shorter term focus. They want to maybe get a press hit, do some type of earned media activation. Maybe it ties into another campaign, but the brands who are looking sort of um, further ahead are are really planning like long-term roadmap for success of their NFT programs. Uh, What would be some examples of of that, do you think? Brands that are maybe looking at this, like you said, for long-term success as opposed to one-time drop, you know? Are there any that you can share with us or that you think are just good examples that you've heard of out there? Sure thing. Yeah. I think that what the hundreds brand did with the atom bomb squad is really, really interesting. Um, I, uh, you know, they're a streetwear brand and they launched this amazing collection of 25,000 NFTs, um, which I think is, uh, is quite cool. Um, so that's sort of like one, one great example. And that program is designed for that like longer term initiative, right? This is something that the Atom Bomb Squad will be building over many years. They were very explicit about that. Um, then I think what you see with short-term hits, some of which are really cool. Let's just take Coca-Cola as an example. They did something that was really cool, but that isn't designed to be um, a forever kind of activation. Yeah, that makes sense. So is, is, I guess my question is, is this another fad that will fade in a year or two and nobody will remember NFTs? Or will it actually be, you know, will these digital assets prove to be something that you can actually hold on to and trade for, for many years to come? Um, and, you know, one of the things we do in this show is try to bridge science fiction with science and reality. And, and so, you know, I, I'm just curious about, you know, what your, your projection is for five years, 10 years from now. Uh, and feel free to use any science fiction references if you think they're appropriate. Like, or, 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 you know, where are we going? You know, what's the future of, of NFTs, do you, do you think, in that time frame? I think the future of NFTs will be dramatically propelled by a few technological advances that bring NFTs much more to the mainstream. And NFTs, because of the inherent um, existing on the blockchain that inherently is like more secure in, in a lot of different ways um, than some technology that's probably been outdated and hasn't been replaced. So I think that we'll start to see NFTs like digital wallets are going to be a huge thing for people. The same way your social media profiles matter and you show off all your cool stuff and where you go on vacation and the great pizza and beer you have is the way that you're going to show off your NFTs and and really use that as an expression of yourself. Um, Because uh, people's digital selves and digital presence in many cases is already more important to them than their physical presence and and how they represent themselves physically. So I think, you know, we'll see um, some major tech shifts that that make it easier for consumers to engage with NFTs, thus more consumers will buy more NFTs and the cycle will, will kind of scale up. I think when you think about like a marketing adoption curve, we're very much barely touching early adopter and there's a lot more to go. Um, and, but once, once that, that momentum picks up, once we get into this sort of like midpoint, um, I think there are just so many, like the more you use NFTs, the more comfortable you can be with them. So if we were to predict into the future, maybe your NFT, like your house is on an NFT, your lease is on an NFT, your ticket is on an NFT. And all of this sort of exists in your digital wallet, much the same as your Apple wallet, where all of your credit cards exist. Right. So now we're talking about not just digital assets, but perhaps real assets and the merging of those, you know, with with the, the blockchain. Right. And, and does that get into a whole area of regulation? I mean, as you talk about your house, and 
you know, you talk about sort of what's what are considered real assets in the legal world are like a different thing, even than stocks and bonds. You know, I found this out when I was trying to set up an LLC to purchase nice. real estate at one point, that it's it's handled very differently from a legal perspective. What do you think the role of regulation will be, you know, moving forward? Or is it too early to talk about that? You know, would you say? Um, I think that there will be uh, a lot more regulation coming right now. Um, this whole space is unregulated. So that means that unfortunately some bad actors are doing things that aren't appropriate, but it also is moving so fast and so new that the government just hasn't caught up, which has also allowed a very high degree of innovation. Um, but I do think that it's, uh, it's inevitable that there will be, um, there'll be a lot kind of coming on the regulation side. If you look at some of the like companies that are publicly traded and already creating NFT marketplaces, like you can look at what Coinbase um, is announced that they'll be doing uh, shortly, which is about creating an NFT marketplace for creators. It's inherently a lot more social um, than what we uh, what we've seen to date, um, and I think that Coinbase already has to deal with a lot of these regulations, which will. Um, which will open up other publicly traded companies doing so as well. And they'll be faced with the same level of regulation, which in the long run is going to make this more secure. And some of the concerns that people have with NFTs, it diminishes those concerns. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. Well, Coinbase is interesting, you know, because, you know, they weren't necessarily the first place to buy, you know, Bitcoin back in the day, but uh, really, you know, they made it easier for individuals and even companies eventually to get into uh, the cryptocurrency space when it, when it wasn't that easy. So, you know, I almost view it as a bridge between like the, the, the crypto enthusiasts who are still out there who are like, never, ever, ever put your Bitcoin into an exchange, keep it, you know, on a physical hardware device or, or print everything out and have it in your home versus people who are like, well, I just want it to be easy and I just want to be able to log yeah. in and get access. So it's almost like this this bridge between the small and the large market. I feel like NFTs haven't quite gotten there yet. Uh, but, uh, you know, like I think with Dapper Labs, when they did the NBA, they did NBA Top Shots, right? And so when they did that, you could buy it with a credit card. And that was pretty important because a lot of people don't have necessarily, you know, even have Ethereum wallets, right? They don't have MetaMask installed, etc. So I feel like there there still needs to be something like that, like an on-ramp for people to, to, to the NFT world. Because right now, you know, people are getting on through different sites and it, it's kind of hard. I mean, OpenSea even, like if, if you're somebody who has never had a wallet before, uh, I know, what are your thoughts on that? On what yeah, no, I mean, more mainstream adoption of this. You know? So full disclosure, Coinbase is a partner of VaynerMedia, um, but my, you know, or Vayner NFT. My uh, my belief though is that what Coinbase did to Bitcoin, they're going to do to NFTs, um, just make it much more accessible and bring in way more people into the space, which I think is ultimately a very good thing, um, in a way that's simple and beautiful and user friendly. Um, I think that this sort of transition is is necessary to really drive mainstream adoption. Um, and and on-ramping people via credit card is not, um, from a tech perspective, it's not that easy to do on chain, um, which is why most uh, NFT exchanges don't do it. There are different integrations with Wire or MoonPay. Um, Bitsky does quite a good job, actually, something that's kind of credit card enabled that's easy to do. Um, so they those are some, some solutions that can potentially work, but... Uh, we haven't really seen one yet that's seamless that really drives user adoption without having um, cryptocurrency. 
Uh, right. Yeah. So it's like the uh, the difficulty is the difficulty of cryptocurrency, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people. That's why you see markets like like is it VV or Vive, whatever it's called. Um, that's just more digital collectible based, where you can pay on a credit card, um, versus an NFT, which is yes, a digital collectible, but it's an ownable digital collectible. And a lot of that sort of you know secret sauce and interesting stuff happens in the smart contract on chain, um, versus being something that you can just. Uh, pay via credit card. But I super agree that I think it's important for people to be able to use their credit cards for these purchases um, in order to bring more more users into the space. You, know, you mentioned, you know, smart contracts and, and on-chain and, you know, for, for people who don't know, you know, like the NFTs are typically just a smart contract that keeps track of, you know, if you had, let's say 10 non-fungible items, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. It just keeps track of which wallet owns that particular one and only they are allowed to transfer it but it's all handled within one contract uh you know on the chain so my question for you is do, do you see people doing more innovative things with these smart contracts like maybe taking that as a starting point and then changing it around maybe letting multiple people own an asset or i don't know yeah. other interesting things going on in, in, in the smart chain yeah, I, I think that the sort of ability to split across multiple users already exists today. Royalties are really interesting. So if you're betting on someone, you think that they're going to become more popular. I think that's really nice as a way um, to engage with people is, is doing a percentage royalty share. Um, really cool. Uh, that, that is a little bit of a securities consideration. So um, take that one with with that consideration in mind, I think people can also do so much really unique stuff through the smart contract, whether it's unlockables or, you know, different smart contract artists, like it is the developing smart contract is an art in and of itself of how you can really carefully develop it, um, to be something that's unique and, and delivering exceptional value to your consumers. Yeah. And then, you know, that's obviously the, the platforms and the developers who deal with that level. So, you know, what, what's the first step for, say, an artist and, and they wanted to just create some NFTs, right? They've been hearing about this online that, you know, Beeple sold his NFT for, you know, how much was it? $69 million or so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that we'll see, you know, that many at, at that level, but, you know, if you're just, a, if there's a content creator out there, you know, what's the first step that you recommend that they take in, in taking something and creating some NFTs out of it? So I think for your content creator, the first thing to do is think about your community. What is most interesting that you create and you deliver value um, that a community can then, um, your community loves? Like, does your community want more access to you? Do they want more events? Do they, you know, want to help you grow your career? I think like the concept of the NFT is really important and start with your existing community. So that would be my first recommendation. Then develop a program which is going to give back to people um, in a long-term way. So with vFriends, um, we were very intentional about having this um, give you access to a conference for three years, which is already kind of getting in people's minds the fact that this is a long-term window and something that we're looking to build out over the long-term. So that would be my sort of secondary recommendation to creators. And then third, just get into the NFT space, change your profile picture, like look into projects that interest you. And, uh, you know, people ask me every day, like, what project should I buy into and are going to go off? And I always tell people, like, there's no guarantee that anything's going to blow up and go off um, in a positive way. So buy things that you like. If you're into art, look into cool artists. If you love soccer, look into cool, uh, you know, soccer players and different NFT programs that are related to the sport that you love and get involved with those communities. Because um, I think there are so many different uh, sub-communities within the world of NFTs. And finding the one that's interesting for you is, is uh, really the best way to 
to create value. And as a creator, if you're looking to launch your own, you want to make sure you put in the work, put in the 10,000 hours of homework to make sure you get what hits in NFT communities. Because I think when we see celebrities and creators just dropping an NFT that, you know, sometimes it can be very obvious that they didn't, didn't do their homework. Uh, yeah, that's a good, good, good point. So, uh, you know, what would be, perhaps we won't put anyone on the spot, but <laughs> what, what would be the type of NFT that you said, you know, that, that might be one where maybe they didn't do their homework, would it just be, they just put together a JPEG uh, and they just put it online or, you know. Yeah. So without, you know, we don't want to call anybody out, but yeah, they just put together a JPEG. They put together like something that's not really that valuable, that there's no reason it should be an NFT, right? It's like, if you can just buy this at the store, then why is it an NFT? Like you could have just done this on an e-commerce platform. Um, I think those are the ones that come across as uh, not, um, not very uh, understanding the community. So I think looking at uh, projects is something that only is interesting because it's an NFT is a good sort of lens to think about it through. But there's been quite a few celebrity drops where they just try to like sell a random thing and it doesn't go anywhere because they don't think about providing utility and value to their community be, like during that drop. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, in uh, with with with, uh, with the V friends that uh, uh, there's a conference that you can get access to for three years. So uh, you know, I'm seeing more of this and less of this, uh, where you know some people are at trying to add real world benefits to buying an NFT, and then others, you know, there's just a whole bunch of NFTs, and and that's really what you get. There's nothing beyond that. I mean, how important is it to have something like that? And and are you seeing a lot of people? Uh, a lot of NFT creators or brands looking to do that, you know, with NFTs that they put out. Yes, definitely. Like brands and creators are looking to uh, add utility to their NFTs. I think what people also want to do is create something that has a fresh take, fresh spin. Um, I think that's really important uh, for um for the NFT program to be a success is uh, making sure that, you know, it's not just a rinse and repeat. There's some element of utility, whether it's like our, what we're doing or, you know, what many others have done, whether it's shipping merch or giving you unlimited access to um, Clinique products for 10 years, like all of that kind of cool stuff. I think that element of utility, that's really underpins a lot of the successful projects. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you mentioned the Ethereum blockchain is the most popular for NFTs and that's true, but you know, there are these other, NFT chains out there like Wax and, mm -hmm. and you know, many Solana. of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a whole bunch uh -huh. out there uh, and they're all making a lot of noise. You know, I mentioned Theta earlier where I bought the Aladdin uh, NFTs. Um, and, and as any technology evolves, there's always multiple players at the beginning and then there seems to be, you know, some, some um, standardization. Uh, is there any interoperability between these chains? I mean, is that a big decision for an NFT creator or a brand uh, in terms of, you know, where, which chain they're going to work on. Uh, can they move to other chains later? Uh, you know, is there a lock-in? You know, what are some considerations there in choosing the, the right blockchain? Yeah, I think it depends on what you're trying to do um, and what the objectives are. Right now, a lot of things are happening on Ethereum, but there's, you know, a lot of interest right now behind Solana. There's so many different chains um, that can be considered. I think, uh, Right now, the, the reality is it's not super interoperable. Um, it, it's not that easy to move between. Um, 
unless you're like a pro and, and it's I would think about it a lot. Like I think about social media networks, right? They're walled gardens. Facebook and Snapchat don't talk to each other. You can know how to use Facebook and you can know how to use Snapchat and you can know that they're similar, but they're not exactly the same. That's a little bit how I think about explaining these like, you know, multiple chains to people. And it's not that you can't buy NFTs on Solana and Flow and Ethereum. You can, but you can't have them all in one place, which is fine. It's like, you don't have your um, snaps and your tweets and your uh, Instagram's all in one place either. Um, so I do think users get that and, and can kind of absorb that behavior, but it's just so new that when you're explaining it one time, sometimes I'll just like explain, uh, on one chain. So I don't confuse the heck out of people. Yeah. Cause it is, is kind of confusing. I mean, this gets back to our barrier to adoption, right? Do I need to have a wallet on Solano? Do I need to have a wallet on, you know, all these other chains uh, in order to to really start owning NFTs. And then where's my portfolio of digital assets? You know, uh, I guess they're kind of spread out all over, right? So I think that that may end up being an interesting challenge, you know, as well to adoption, you know, down, down the road. Yeah, but I think that, you know, you brought this up earlier, what Topshot did is sort of a closed ecosystem using Flow. It's easier, there's no gas or there's very little gas. Um, uh, you can take a credit card. It's a little bit more user-friendly. So I think that depending on what you're looking to do, um, there are certainly changes that, that make more sense um, in, in particular use cases. Hmm. Yeah, makes sense. You know, one of the things that's interesting to me about, uh, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the metaverse idea and NFTs is it seems to me that this is one of the ways, uh, you know, we move beyond the old idea of the metaverse. So, I mean, you know, people have been talking about, is Fortnite going to be the basis for the metaverse? Is Roblox going to be the basis for the metaverse? And focusing only on the, the these 3D environments themselves and the goods within those environments. Uh, but it seems to me that NFT provides, NFTs provide a way to move beyond a single, you know, virtual world. And yet, you know, people are creating, you know, fashion items that you can put on your avatars that are NFTs that you can own, right? So, so, so does it become, you know, in a way the plumbing of a new type of metaverse? I, I guess that that's what I'm asking, yeah. I think it absolutely could be. It's very early days, but we definitely think there's that potential. Yeah, to me, that's one of the most exciting, you know, aspects of NFTs and digital goods in general is this idea that they can be portable. And so if you go back, you know, the metaverse uh, was coined by, uh, Neil Stevenson and Snow Crash, and you know, you you logged in, and and people always bring up Ready Player One as the other kind of science fiction reference, you know, for the metaverse, which is that uh, uh, you know you you put on the virtual reality headset, and it's kind of one environment, uh, and, and really that's it. But but I think that the the blockchain provides a way, in the same way that the web isn't any one uh, site, right? It's really a set of standards that's out there. Um, and so, I mean, do you, do you see like with your work in NFTs, working with the gaming companies, um, or, uh, brands who want to get into virtual worlds and, uh, you know, how they're thinking about that, uh, is it the same walled garden problem we just talked about on the blockchains or are they thinking about, you know, can I get into Decentraland? Can I get into Upland? Can I get into, you know, Roblox, you know, are they thinking about a kind of cross environment? I think that right now, um, what, what brands are looking to do is own up, like get their feet into the water of the metaverse. Right. So in gaming, um, I think gaming has already existed. Like Roblox is already a huge thing that isn't necessarily like 
like closely linked to NFTs. Um, so I think there's two parts there. So one, getting into the gaming space, I mean, learning about what's the right way for them to engage in gaming only makes sense. Skins make sense. And there's a lot of precedent for how to do that already. Um, those games aren't interoperable, but it's okay um, because they have huge and like hyper-engaged communities. Uh, and I think that some, especially the, the play to earn kind of um, NFT games will be a natural extension of that same sort of core gaming ecosystem that um, brands and celebrities have become familiar with. It's just a different way uh, to have sort of ownership behind these. So I think that'll be very interesting for folks too. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you know, a few years ago it, within, the, within the cryptocurrency space, everyone was talking about ICOs and tokens and, uh, you know, 2017 and, and early 2018. And then things got very complicated with SEC regulations, but it also kind of followed the market prices of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency. And so we're finding ourselves in another crypto boom at the moment, right? Bitcoin, I think, just hit a new all-time high or, or pretty close to its all-time high uh, just this week. Um, but, uh, you know, are we going to, you know, I guess one question is, do you, do you think we'll see a boom and bust cycle again? I mean, let's say Bitcoin crashes and, you know, those of us who've been in the crypto space for a while have, have lived through, you know, crashes and booms, you know, within crypto for the last decade or so. Uh, do you think interest in NFTs is going to go down uh, if uh, crypto crashes? It's interesting because the the um, trends are not necessarily linearly correlated. Um, so sometimes when like uh, crypto goes down and the currencies go down, NFTs go up and sometimes vice versa. So I don't think that necessarily like a crash of Bitcoin would have an for sure impact on NFTs. But I, I think that anyone who's deep in the space will tell you like an NFT winter is coming. I think everyone's sort of expecting that, you know, like anything, there'll be booms and busts and bubbles and, um, and winters and bull markets and bear markets. And this is all sort of part of the very early days. So I think that's definitely to be anticipated. Yeah, so will we end up with, you know, a bunch of people who own NFTs, like as we go through that cycle, maybe, kind of like early domain names, you know, people used to buy and speculate on domain names, you know, back in the early days of the web. But will we end up with just a lot of kind of orphan NFTs that people bought kind of in a one-off, you know, will we have a landscape of millions of these <laughs> out there? Uh, and, and then, you know, only some, some of them become the ones that everybody wants, or do you think it's gonna be a more equitable kind of distribution, you know, in the future? I would guess probably the former. Um, I think that a lot of the NFT programs that are dropping right now that are like adjective animal uh, will not, they're not all going to make it. Some of them will for sure. And if you think about the early cycles of many of the different pieces of technology development, like a lot of companies are there, then it kind of drops and some of them prevail. And I think we'll see that same thing happen with NFTs. So some NFT programs um, are going to make it, some won't make it, and that's okay, and that's to be expected. Uh, but I would expect some of the already established blue chips, some of the very first firsts are going to be the ones that really matter over the long term. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, as we step back, you know, what are some of the, the things that you're seeing that are, you know, excite you about the space that you think are interesting? Uh, and maybe some things that you think are kind of warning flashing signs in the space. 
things that excite me are the tremendous potential of NFTs and, and the various use cases. It's just so very few of those use cases have been tapped yet. So there's still so much to do and to explore. So that's what it really excites me. And then some of the warning signs, I think it's mostly around people being highly speculative on projects and, you know, um, it's okay when this is just like a fun hobby, but I would never want to see people invest money that they don't have in, in a bubble cycle. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit of the, the parts that are a cautionary tale. And, you know, as Vader, we try to over communicate like nothing around, um, you know, promising, uh, increasing value at all. Um, it's just, you know, this is not financial advice, buy something because you like it. Um, but I do see some people getting into this for <clears throat> potentially not always the right reasons. Uh, so, so try to steer clear of that. <coughs> sure. So the speculation is, is potentially an issue right now with <laughs> what's what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, and and you know that's always been uh, kind of a criticism of the crypto space, right? <laughs> that people are buying it just so that they hope it'll go up, and that's the main reason that they're jumping in. Well, what about the the demographics out there? I mean, as you look at who's buying NFTs, like if I'm a big brand and I'm thinking of issuing NFTs, like are there any good statistics for you know what types of people, whether it's age, geography, or uh, gender, you know, uh, is it really distributed across the same space as social media users, or is it, you know, really just uh, a particular group of, uh, you know, hardcore crypto people these days? So what are the demographics in the NFT space, would you say, these days? So the demographics today, I think, skew towards millennial, male, coastal, um, and it's not a place where there's a ton of firm demographics, I think, due to the fact that a lot of, uh, you know, the buyers in the cryptocurrency space today are, you know, they're, it's not a centralized system. So you don't have the same level of like Google Analytics data that's shareable um, for these folks. Um, but that's kind of how it skews right now. I think we'll see that change. Um, we also understand that, you know, most things are sort of priced um, at, a, you know, at, at a rate that makes more sense if you're from a very developed country. It's not a place where we see a lot of, um, you know, it's just very unlikely that someone in Southeast Asia is going to be spending like five ETH on something um, just because that's like, you know, 10 years of, of uh, you know, salary there. Um, so I think that that uh, is, is also an, a consideration in terms of the demographic skew today. But, you know, we are, our goal and our ambition is to bring NFTs to way more people um, across the whole world in an accessible way. Yeah, and I wonder if the play-to-earn uh, trend, you know, might end up resolving that somehow. You know, like like I know uh, in some of the ventures I've been involved in, where if there was an effort-based solution, and you could earn virtual currency or digital currency um, or digital assets, that you'd get a lot of people in Southeast Asia, for example, just spending a lot of time playing and earning what maybe to those in the U.S. was not necessarily you know that much money but it adds up pretty quickly when you start adding it up in, in different uh, parts of the country. So, I mean, you spend a lot of time in Asia, you know, what's within sort of the less developed parts of Asia, uh, do you think there's an awareness of, of, of play to earn or NFTs or, or is that sort of a future thing? There definitely is. And, you know, I used to run in a creative agency there and so many of the folks on my team are creating NFTs and they're into it. Um, obviously sample bias because they all know I'm doing this now. 
Um, but I think that there is a general awareness, especially in countries like Singapore, um, in places like, you know, rural Indonesia, or rural Thailand, not so much yet. But I think one of the benefits of these, you know, emerging and hyper growth markets is that there's um, really incredible innovation that's happening there already from a technical perspective. And, you know, there's no such thing as like desktop first. There's it's mobile only. Um so I think it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens um, as NFTs sort of move uh, into more of a global phenomenon. Um, definitely will be really cool to see there. And, and I think also very understandably, the price point for like even basements will need to come way down um, because, you know, like minting at like 0.12 or something like that's a lot of money um, outside of the U.S. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, you mentioned the mobile first, you know, which is definitely the case in a lot of countries. Uh, you know, the U.S. actually was lagging behind in terms of yeah, it is. <laughs> adoption of mobile. But but that brings up, at least within the West uh, and parts of the East as well, like the uh, policies of you know, Google and Apple. Right. And I know when I was in the uh, in, in the video game space, you know, we always worried about will Apple allow this. Right. And then Apple wouldn't allow, you know, payments via cryptocurrency, for example. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, like what's the role of Apple, Google, Android uh, in kind of either throttling or enabling, you know, the adoption of, of both cryptocurrency, but also just virtual assets that people might buy on their phone and exchange and trade back and forth? You know? Yeah, well, Apple's primarily a hardware company. So for them, I think the more obligation is to develop something that uh, you know, makes it easy for people to interact with Web3. For Google, it's a little bit more complicated um, because Google does have, uh, you know, payments business and they have, a, you know, primarily a software business. Um, I'm very interested to see what both do. I have a feeling they're going to support the, you know, Web3 and lean into it. But that that is to be confirmed. Uh, yeah, because, you know, uh, as we think about who could throttle this, right? And, you know, a few years ago, China... Every every few years, China would ban crypto or ban Bitcoin, right? Or ban Bitcoin mining, and they did it, you know, again, you know, recently. And but it seems like, you know, Bitcoin has gotten big enough that uh, you can't really, you know, any one government is can't really have the kind of impact. And we're seeing that in the price today, right? So are are there other, you know, either organizations or consortiums that you feel could throttle the growth of of NFTs and digital assets? I think broadly, government regulation is a big risk um, in this space uh, because cryptocurrency, again, is like not regulated today. I think government regulation, um, you're absolutely right that if Google and, and Apple decide to not allow like Web3 transactions on their platforms, that would for sure be a huge issue. Um, for this business, um, you know, same with like internet companies, I think know your consumer information is probably coming, um, you know, to be a necessary for NFT projects sooner rather than later. But um, yeah, I think that government regulation is probably the biggest unknown that could have a major impact. And I think governments probably have the most, uh, the most to lose in, in this way, right? Because they are the centralized authority who's overseen the financial systems like since you know, for centuries. Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, kind of what happened with ICOs, right? Everyone was issuing tokens as a way to raise money. And then the securities regulator said, these things are actually securities, which means, you know, they're like stock and stock 
trading obviously is regulated. And so that led to, you know, very much a lessened enthusiasm <laughs> for doing ICOs to the point where people weren't doing them in the US and, you know, they were doing them only in Singapore and places like that. But now I'm seeing, you know, within kind of the innovation space, you know, the people that were looking at doing ICOs are now saying, hey, let me just create NFTs because they're technically not securities, they're digital assets, right? So I'm exactly. <laughs> so I, I think that's, you know, that'll be an interesting point. But in the past, you know, has the, or even recently, has the SEC said anything about regulating NFTs in the U.S.? I know that, um, I know that they have made some comments, but nothing like very definitive yet. Uh, so we'll be, you know, very closely following that. Yep. Makes sense. Great. Well, anything you want to, you know, wrap up with, you know, about the landscape of NFTs or, you know, where we're heading or, you know, uh, feel free. Awesome. Riz, thanks so much for having me. It's been great to be on here. Great to talk shop with you a little bit. And I hope this is a valuable and interesting session to your listeners. Um, follow Vader NFT on Twitter for, you know, to stay up to date on NFT news. Yep, absolutely. And we'll, I'll include the links uh, in, my, in the description uh, awesome. of this episode. So thanks so much for joining me. Thank you.